and the 2.2 cash, obviously. Ooh. I think we netted 1.1 <laughs> million dollars. Yeah. When you're investing out of state, one of the biggest problems that I had was finding a contractor that you can trust. How do you go about doing that? In this episode, I'm going to interview a general contractor who actually has helped me burr one of my properties in Columbus, Ohio. He's going to break down how you can find a contractor, overview some of his projects, and even talk about a million-dollar flip that he did in Columbus, Ohio. That's all coming up next. Well, Esteban, thanks so much for jumping on the show with me today. Absolutely, man. Thanks for having me. So real quick, for, for the audience, tell me, what do you do today, and then what is your origin story? Yeah, so uh, today I guess I am a general contractor, first and foremost, um, real estate developer, uh, flipper, uh, wholesale only when it falls on my lap. Um, definitely don't go out or claim to be a wholesaler, but I do wholesale some deals. And then um, property management, both short term and long term. So, and then obviously we hold rentals. That's That's kind of the... I don't know how to put that into one title. I would just say anything to do with real estate is really what uh, I am. Um, and then I guess origin story. I mean, how far do you want to go back? I was born in 1992. <laughs> um, or do you mean just kind of in the professional field? I mean, maybe a little of both. I mean, you're in Columbus right now. And I yeah. know you because obviously you GC'd uh, one of our Burr projects. Yeah. But were you? are you from Columbus? No. So, yeah, I was uh, born in Columbia, South America. Um, we immigrated to the States in 1999, went to a small town called Richwood, Ohio. It is uh, very rural, about two, maybe three stoplights type of town, um, very Midwestern country, and then moved to Delaware, Ohio, which is a suburb of Columbus. Uh, when I was in eighth grade is when we made that transition. Um, from there, you know, went to college in Akron, went to college at Ohio State, Franklin University, Columbus State. I dropped out of every single one. Um, <laughs> and I was a waiter for about six years at an Italian restaurant. Um, from there, I, you know, decided to give my mom's company another try because I was on again, off again with her. Obviously, your parents, you know, they, they're quite forgiving and they let you come and go as they please, as you please. So started uh, helping her out with the construction in 2019 is when I kind of jumped on like full go in my head, in my heart, in my soul that I was going to like dedicate at least a year to, you know, give it a true shot. And that's really where the whole real estate um, aspect kind of came into my life. So in 2019 is really when I started um, about a year, maybe a year and a half later, I took over the company as kind of like you know, I call it managing partner. Um, and then from there we scaled, you know, when I took over, it was about $500,000 a year that we were revenue. Um, in 10 months, I brought that up to about 5 million. So, you know, just kind of went, went for it, you know, went all in and, uh, here we are about six, seven, yeah, 2019, 20, 23. Yeah. About four or five years later, I guess, um, from when I took over is, was where we're here today. Oh, man. So now I have some fun little spinoffs that I want to do. Obviously, yeah. going from 500K in revenue to 5 million in revenue in 10 months, that's no joke. Yeah. Like, what was the catalyst to make that happen? Um, complete honesty here, uh, I would break it down to three different things. True belief in myself and like self-love, 
Second, finding a fantastic mentor, which I'm very lucky to have found him. And third, networking. So with those three, that, that three combo right there, that's really what exploded. One, because I was believing in myself because I love myself. I started doing things for me and like truly like having passion for things and like waking up early and like it wasn't just you know, aimlessly living day to day, vegging out is what my dad used to call it. I would literally sit in front of the TV until it's time to go to work at the restaurant job. And, you know, I wasn't concerned about making money. It was just making enough to pay my rent, pay my costs. And that's it. I didn't really have any goals because when I was younger, my true goal was to be a professional soccer player. When that, you know, dream kind of went away, I was kind of just like, yeah, whatever. Right. So I didn't really have a passion. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's, that's really where it all started was like that, almost that burning passion that I had as a, as a younger kid to play soccer, but into what I was currently doing, which was, you know, construction and real estate. I wasn't out there swinging hammers. I did do that a little bit. I did a lot of demos, Ah, not a lot. I did like two or three. And then I was like, this is not what I want to do. Let me figure out how to put someone else to do this and then make a little, you know, cut. Um, and then finding the mentor, um, I stumbled upon him after my first flip because I went to buy my second flip and my first flips closing got moved and the buy of the second one was not going to be able to be moved. So I was going to lose money if I didn't figure out how to make $60,000 in like three days. So I literally went contact well here's here's the little backstory to that the reason that is is because we got that house off of a share sale it was the wild wild west back back in 2020 right 2019 2020 something like that and we started working on these houses before we actually owned them because we wanted to save time in renovation you know we yeah so we had access uh, we had access to it and we started working so i was about you know 20 25k into it but then when they moved that closing, I no longer had the money to put down for the buy. So I was scrambling and I, you know, you know, my mom looked at each other like, what are we going to do? Yeah. And we try to get it moved. They're like, no, if, you know, if you don't buy it, you don't buy it. Like, we'll just go to the second person. Cause back in the day, everybody was, you know, buying deals. So I literally went one by one in my phone book and just started calling everyone in my phone book saying, listen, I do have three free and clear houses. I'd like to pawn. I was calling it pawning my houses versus, you know, mortgaging or yeah. whatever, <laughs> leveraging them. Um, so I started calling everyone in my phone book and I got to the M's. His name was Jesse McKenzie. And he said, listen, I can't help you, but I know someone that might. And so he gave me my mentors, my current mentor. His name's Austin Rutherford. He gave me his phone number. I called him. He's like, yeah, man, come to the office. Let's chat. You know, you got three free and clear houses. You want 60 grand, you know, for a deal. Like, let's look at it. So I go to his office. I meet him. Great dude. He was like a year younger than me. And he agreed to it, gave us the money. And we were able to close on those deals. Um, so we, we were buying two flips. That's what it was. We were buy buying two flips with that first flips proceeds. And, you know, it, it wasn't going to work. So he gave us the money. We ended up making 80 grand for the pair of them, you know, and the rest is history. Once I figured, I was like, who is this guy? Who? Because back then, 60K was a lot of money. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, it's, it's a crap ton of money. So who's this guy that just was able to lend me in, you know, two days, the 60 grand out of nowhere? Like, I, I need to know more. So I started hounding him like, hey, man, I, I really like to learn more. 
He's like, hey, I don't really do the mentorship thing. It was before he was doing the mentoring thing. And after enough follow-up, I'd say about four or five months later, um, he was like, hey, you know what? I'm actually going to start doing mentoring. Um, and so it was me and three other guys in this group, and he became our mentor. And from there, I just, you know, the whole, my eyes were open. The light came wow. in, and I started learning, you know, about the business, about what wholesaling was, how to properly flip how to do these things because I come from a contracting background. So I don't know financing. I don't know deal flow. I don't know marketing. I don't know any of that at the time. Right. So I, as I'm learning, I'm just applying it into my business. Then the wave of masterminds and the wave of mentorships and all these programs back in the day when everybody was like, you know, newer to it. I started going to every networking event I could here in Columbus. I went to Austin's things. I went to other people's things all over the country and just started meeting all these people from Columbus. And what I realized, everybody had the same gap, which was contracting. Everybody else had deal flow. Everybody else had marketing. Everybody else had the finances all lined up. But what they couldn't find was a contractor that was genuine, that was going to do what they said that they were going to do and was going to be, you know, good. So... Since I was one in a room of 100 hungry investors with zero other contractors, I got all their business. So I went from doing maybe two to three houses at a time to doing 20, 30. And then my highest I ever did was 60 houses at the same time. <laughs> 60 different projects is how much uh, work I had at the same time. And that's really when it took off. I mean, it was a little gotcha. chaotic. It was crazy, but that's really what like shot up the 500,000 to 5 million. It was because I was just getting deals all the time, right? So, all right. So give me some spitfire context right now, because that is, that is a lot. And just so that the audience knows what sure. you're doing today, how many construction projects are you doing at one given time right now? Uh, I think I'm at like 28, maybe 30. Okay. Mm -hmm. And then your rental portfolio, what's that look like? Uh, we have about 17 units in my mother and I's yep. portfolio, which she's like my business partner now. And then I have other business partners where we have, you know, stabilized just a couple, but mm -hmm. under construction, new construction, we've got 10 total units um, on that side as well. Okay. And then how um, many flips have you done? Oh, shit. Uh, I would say at least a hundred, at least. Wow. That's a lot yeah. for how many? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So uh, over the course of, you know, since we started, of course. Um, and then what else? And then now we're doing the development deals. So that's that's the big stuff, you know. Okay. And so, I mean, I have a, I've, I want to ask one more specific question about that Austin conversation. Yeah. Is how do you go from having one project and needing someone to save you for another project? And how, like, what did you say to actually convince Austin to give you 60 grand because that's not an easy conversation for someone who's just starting out. I mean, looking back, it was a no brainer on his end. If I messed up, he got because I leveraged all three of my free and clear houses that we owned at the time because my, my mom had bought these houses back when houses were seven grand. Okay. So we so we had equity and at the time they were worth like 150. So we okay. owned them free and clear, three of them, 150, that's $450,000 of, yep. you know, free and clear property. And I was asking for 60 plus the project I had that we were using the money for, it was a good, you know, the numbers worked. Yeah. So when he analyzed it at the end of the day, if I messed up this random person, he got three free and clear houses. You know what I mean? He could foreclose on every single one of them. It was a no brainer for him. 
So looking back, you know, to me, I was like, wow, why would he do this? Or how could he do this? He just ran the numbers, right? 60 grand mm-hmm. worth 450 all day. Okay. All right. Well, I mean, I'm glad you had a way to secure that for him. I mean, one of the reasons why I really wanted to bring you onto the show was because I love the content that you're making about contracting. Yeah. That is a, I mean, like, you know, now, right from your networking days, if you were the only contractor in the room, there's still not many contractors who are making that content. I'm sure you've gotten lots of good hits from it. Yeah. It, like, I don't know why. So your family has a background as a general contractor, right? Mm-hmm. And that's where you got into that. Right. If someone's looking today to get started and you're saying, hey, you can go to college or you can, which I think you've made a few videos now, or you can go ahead and be in the trades. Why are you saying go to the trades? Oh, man, this is this is this is a lot. So first and foremost, I if you want to go to college, go to college. That's that's definitely like I'm all about free will and whatever you want to do, go do it. What I don't like is the way society and the high schools push you to go to college when you're not ready. A lot of these kids are 17, 18 years old, which at 18, you're an adult, but no, you're not. I barely feel like an adult and I'm 30, right? Like you don't really start being an adult till I'd say maybe 25 is when that life moment happens when you're like, shoot, I'm adulting now, right? So to push someone to get into, call it 50 to $100,000 worth of debt, where their ROI is very minimal at the end of it, and they're going to be paying it off for the rest of their life. To me, it makes no sense. Now, again, little asterisk here. You want to be a doctor? You need it. You want to be an engineer? You need it. You want to be a lawyer? You need it. Go for it, right? You're still going to have student debt, but at the end of the day, there is better ROI because you're going to be making more income. But a lot of these people that are getting these random degrees that are not in those three categories, and again, not saying that you can't make it right with a marketing degree. I'm not saying you can't make it with an arts degree, but the jobs out there are so little and they pay so little that you're going to be in debt forever. Right? So the alternative now that we've realized, and it's not just me, I think everyone's kind of opening up their eyes to it Mm -hmm. is go to trade school. Most there's a lot of companies out there that will pay for your trade school. So you're getting paid to learn right? You're not going to have debt. And guess what? You're going to be starting out instead of 35 to 40 grand, like here in Columbus, I'm sure in Cali's a little bit higher because your guys' cost of living is higher. But here, you know, right out of college, you're making 35, maybe 40 grand on an entry level degree earned job, right? In the trades, you're looking at 70 grand and quickly go up to a hundred. I mean, they are paying very, very well. And you get out with no debt, you get bonuses, you get all this. And it's a two-year thing. You know what I mean? So to me, it's like, if you don't know what you're doing, why why get into this debt if you don't know what you want to do just to have the college experience? And that's what they sell you. Oh, you know, college is the best time of your life. And it is. You get to party, you get to have fun. You shouldn't have to be paying 100 grand for it. You know what I mean? Like, that's that's not, totally. that's not what it's about. So, so yeah, I push people to, if you don't know what you want, give trades a shot. Because okay. at the end of the day, you're going to be making money while you learn. And if you don't like it, you can pivot. But why go get yourself in a hundred grand worth of debt? I so. mean, I agree. And I used to be an academic counselor, an academic advisor at wow. the University of Hawaii. That's pretty cool. I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah. I love Hawaii. It's my favorite place in the world. Yeah. I mean, I, I lived there for seven years. We had a blast. Both my wife and I were working at the university. Like we were full in this higher education thing. Yeah. 
And, you know, we had master's degrees making $40,000 a year. Right. No money. How is that fair? It's, yeah, it was ridiculous. And I was like, well, I can't even afford to pay our student loans. Why do we even do, like, why? Right, right. So, And again, if that's what you want to do, more power to you. Like, hoorah, we, we do need people like that. But I don't think it should be what the high schools are pushing, what the society is pushing, because you're, all you're doing is you're making these universities filthy rich. Yeah. And you're not really getting out what you're putting in. Agreed. All right. So next question now, say someone's considering going to trades. How are you picking a specialty? I'm, I love your content because it's my HAC guy makes this and it's like this. My, your demo guy makes this. Where do you start? To, so me, one of the, after I started back in the business, I did go back to plumbing school. My mentality was, let me learn all the trades so that I can go get all these licenses and do all this and do all that. Um, so I went into plumbing. I liked it. It was cool working with my hands. You know, I mean, you can make a hundred thousand. I don't think you can miss. It's whatever you want to do. If, if, if electric interests you, go learn about it. If framing interests you, go learn about it. But where do you start? Whatever interests you the most of construction. Because in construction, there's so many different, right? You got your window mm -hmm. guys, your doors, trim guys, carpenters, whatever. Pick one. Pick one, try it out. And like I said, because it's not a hundred grand to learn it, and you probably can get paid to learn it, you can't really miss. Okay. So do whatever interests you the most. Okay. Fair enough. And the last question I have on the actual active trade side. What's the most money you ever made from a construction job? Um, so it's tough to answer that question. And, and the reason it's tough is because the way I've ran my business and the way that I've been able to leverage my profession, I've been able to get equity pieces and projects hmm. as the contractor. So as a partner that was responsible for the construction at cost, you know, I made $180,000 on one project with zero risk, which was pretty pretty rad. Okay. Um, the most I've ever made without having equity and it just as a project, probably like 40, 50 grand on like a random kitchen in a high worth area, which is still pretty rad. Yeah. It's like a flip. And again, zero risk on a kitchen that took us two months. So yeah, that's, it's pretty nice. Okay. So trades are cool. And now let's pivot into the investor mindset. Yes. Uh, Cause that's, you know, what a lot of audience want, a lot of what the audience looks for is, I think the hardest people to find on your team are contractors and property managers. And those are everything, right? One is basically managing your property until it gets ready to be handed off and put a tenant inside of there. Right. Like brand new investor. Yeah. How does a investor pick out a good contractor from a bad contractor? Oh man, there's a, there's a ton of things you can do to find red flags, right? First and foremost, get references get references of past clients, ask for pictures. If you're, I guess, an out-of-stater like yourself, it's a little bit tougher because you can't go physically look at the jobs. If you're in-state or local, ask them to take you to their active projects. You know what I mean? Go see if they're the real deal. Go see how they're doing their job and how organized the site is. And it'll be pretty easy to pick up the good ones from the bad ones. Okay. Um, another quick little red flag is asking for more than 50% upfront. Shoot. I mean, for the first time dealing with someone, I, so when I, I started 
networking and, and doing, you know, taking my company up, I was actually not asking for any money up front. I was actually doing 20, 30% of the job before I'd even asked for my first draw. My mentality was you as the client have nothing to lose. If you don't like what I'm doing, you don't pay me. You know, I thought, obviously they knew I could put liens on it. I didn't, you know, at the time. So to me, it was like, I'd rather you owe me than I owe you. Because if I take a draw at the beginning, you're going to be on my ass making sure that that money's being put to use versus the other way around, you know, you really can't say anything to me because I'm doing work for basically free until I get paid that. Right. Yeah. Um, so, but I quickly ran into cash flow issues after those 60 projects. And I realized at the time I was like, Oh no, I need draws. Like that's not business wise to open the doors to get started. Sure. It's a good strategy to get more clientele, but, uh, yeah, I would just try to shy away from anybody that's asking you for more than 50%. I typically take about a 30 to 35% draw depending on the size of the project. Okay. That's fair. And then what about, I know in bigger pockets, they always say, all right, here's the contract that you make with your contractor, right? Is, hey, what's the reasonable expectation of this job? Add more time frame on it. If you finish early, there could be a bonus. If not, there's a penalty. What are your thoughts on that as a contractor yourself? As a contractor, I get it. I get why people would want contracts. I do get a lot of calls from new mm -hmm. investors that want to try to invest here and yada, yada. And I say this, talk to my people, talk to people that have done jobs with me. If you want a contract, we could write one up. Um, you know, on these 28 projects, I have right now I have zero contracts, zero contracts with any of the people, but that's because we've done jobs together. Mm. I do. Oh, wait, no, I'm lying. I have one contract and that's because it's, the first job I've ever done for the status state investor. So to get people comfortable, Hey, we'll write up a contract, you know, just so you're protected, I'm protected. Um, but after the first one, you know, again, I've never should never say never, but I very rarely have an issue of hey, you know, we got to take this to court. Hey, we got to do, you know, you're not doing your job or I'm not doing my job. Um, it's been very, I've been very blessed to deal with the people that I've dealt with. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, I, I, I hate to say that because that's not logical to not have a contract, but I've been able to position myself with people that I trust, that trust me, and I deliver. I plan on delivering. Mm -hmm. I do jobs. Even if I lose money, I will finish your job. I mean, yeah. I've lost ten to 20000 on different jobs just because I said I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it. Okay. I mean, fair enough. It, it, it sounds like you're open to it, but that's not the only way, right? Obviously. Yeah, yeah. All right. So the next question now is again, working with whether it be in any type of investor, whether it be out of state or, or local to the area. If someone's looking at a house and they say, Hey, you know, Esteban, can your team walk this? What are the red flags that you're like, hell no, don't touch that with a 10 foot pole? Repeat it. It fogged out for a second. Uh, okay. So the question is whether your investor is out of state or local, what are the red flags that someone's asking you you or your team to walk a property what are the red flags you're like don't touch this at all ever oh like giving advice to the investor like don't don't buy this mm -hmm. oh shoot oh man there's many um we'll start with ah well it depends because if the price is super cheap too like in the rooms there right what i don't like is when people cover up things that aren't finished like basements if you're covering up the basement ceiling but your basement isn't finished you're hiding something you know mm -hmm. what I mean? So I usually tell the investors, like, I can't, I'm not Superman. I can't see through walls. 
it, it's a little weird, right? It's not always that way. You know, yeah. some people just cover them. But um, if the foundation is really messed up, not I-beam fixable, but like mm -hmm. saying cave in, run. If the MEPs, you know, the electrical panel is upgraded, but all of a sudden you peek in the attic and there's knob and tube and they're saying they ran all new electric, I run. Um, you know, if the furnace is a dinosaur or they've got radiator in there still, I, I'd like to run. And then spe me specifically, I don't really love well and I don't love septic. If a property is on well of septic, I'd rather just not touch it because you don't know how old it is, how maintained it is, and it can be, it can be dicey. Yeah, and then just you just is this one gonna hit or not? I don't know. Yeah, yeah, it's you're screwed. You're screwed. So anytime anyone sends me to like a property with a well and septic, I'm like, if I were you, I would run. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. Okay, so you started. It sounds like obviously being a general contractor for other people's projects. When did the investing start into place? When did you say, all right, cool, I want to start holding on to these now? Um, early on, as soon as I took over and I got the mentor, you know, his, his whole thing is wealth is through ownership, right? So uh, very early on, I decided, okay, my value add is the contracting piece, but mm -hmm. let me divert these profits and go invest because I know that I need cash flow. I know that as a contractor, yes, I have no risk, but I also got zero upside. Yeah, I, I'm not making money as people are living there. I'm not making money on appreciation. I don't have the same type of write-offs. So as I'm learning this from my mentor, I'm starting to buy more houses and I'm starting to flip houses as well. So I do a little bit of both because it kind of manages my risk too, right? Yeah. When things are bad, when I need money, because this happens to everybody, I just go, I open up the doors and I say, I'm ready for more jobs and people come and give me jobs, right? On the investor side if the deals are kind of drying up and you you know kind of what's happening now the deals are kind of it's a little bit harder to find deals these mm -hmm. days right where else are you getting income right so for me i'm able to contract and keep that you know revenue coming in which is good um but yeah so i would say it, it was early on but i'm definitely known more as a contractor but i still do investing i still partner with other people to flip houses hold rentals mm -hmm. All those things. Okay, give me, uh, let us go rapid fire deals. Mm -hmm. Let's start with your favorite deal of all time. My favorite deal of all time was this, I call it a mansion. It's probably not a mansion out where you live, but it was a mansion here um, in Canal Winchester, Ohio, suburb of Columbus. Uh, we bought the house for $280,000. Okay. We put $500,000 into it. Okay. We listed it for 1.5 and mm -hmm. it sold for $2.2 .2 million. You got $700,000 over asking? Yeah. How did you get that? <laughs> you know, when Bitcoin was at like 69,000? Yeah. Didn't hit 70. We timed the market perfectly on accident because yeah. we, were, we were hella delayed, but it was literally like right when interest rates were you know, 2% right before they started ripping up, right before the market started tanking a little bit. It was just the top of the candle, if you will. Um, and, and, and it wasn't the only offer. We had two offers actually going higher than that, up to 2.5 million with escalations. And we just took those two buyers and we said, we had 30 offers, like 50 showings. It was wild. 
Um, and we just took the top two and we said, just give us your highest and best. It's between you two. And the 2.2 cash obviously won. Ooh. Yeah. So we made, I think we netted 1.1 <laughs> million dollars. Yeah. It was wild. Okay. And, and mind you, when we ran the numbers, we were going to only put 200K into it. And we only thought that the house was worth $800,000. No one house in that neighborhood had sold over a million dollars until ours. And then ours sold for 2.2. It was, it was, it was literally a, a unicorn. It was luck. It was, it was everything you want to call it. Um, but that was probably my best deal and my favorite deal of all time. Cause we literally made seven figures on that. Deal. Yeah, that is awesome. It was wild. It was wild. Okay. Flip side. Partners. Yeah. Give me a battle scar now. In real estate or in life in general. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go I'll real estate first. Yeah. yeah give, sure. give me both. Give me both. I'll give me both. Um, my battle scar, actually, it's kind of like very, uh, it's still still, it's still going on. It's still a little fresh. Okay. So I got into, um, when I was trying to grow the company, my very first self uh, sought out job was through build zoom is what it's called. It's basically the Tinder of contractors and homeowners. Yeah. And yeah. I got this guy that had a VA grant. So a veterans affairs grant to make his home ADA compliant and the grant was for about $81,000. I ran the numbers. I think my cost was about $80,000, but I wanted to open the door into that VA world because I thought, hey, man, government always pays, right? And I'm figuring out ways to make more money. I mean, I'm, you know, I'm passionate about what I'm doing. So it's my first job that I go and get. Well, it went south when we were about 95, right, right before punch, it went south because the veteran's wife found out not found out. I mean, she realized that the flooring that we gave her wasn't solid hardwood. It was LVP, right? Which mind you with the VA, every material had to be noted. Every single one of the finishes, everything was signed off on by both parties. I mean, talk about contracts. This thing was tight. I mean, it was very, 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 very exactly step-by-step step on how this thing was going to go down. So again, she loved the floors when they were installed, but the moment she saw the box and saw that it wasn't hardwood floor and she started to freak out. Long story short, man, we ended up in a legal battle, huge legal battle. They sued us. They lost. They appealed. They lost. We went on the offensive, sued them. They lost. We won. They appealed, appealed, appealed. They tried to appeal to the Supreme Court. Finally, they gave, they gave up and they finally took it. Um, but right before they had to write the check, guess what they did? They're trying to file for bankruptcy just to not pay us after the judge awarded us finally the win. So we, I just recently received the funds from the VA that were held in escrow. It wasn't any of their money. It wasn't any of their money. That's what, that's what's like <laughs> mind blowing to me. But the reason it was the biggest car is because at the time we were growing, my mom came and bailed me out because again, we had, a, we put all this money into it and it was in a draw system where basically 20% was retained to the very end. We, you'd have to get jobs done, get part of the job done, then get refunded. Long story short, we had to sell two of our properties, the ones that I had leveraged with Austin before that were free and clear. I had to sell two of them to pay employees and to keep the cash flow because of that whole thing. So I lost properties that are today worth $225,000. Um, over an $80,000 job, man. Over an $80,000 job. So that's my biggest battle scar right now. 
on the years. Yeah, it's been years. Like I literally just got the $28,000 pay. It's, it was since 2018. That's, <laughs> that's literally, and I literally just got the check from it on this past Friday for $28,000 that I have to give most of it to the attorney. So big L, big okay. L. Yeah. On the non-real estate, just life, obviously, as real estate's a stepping stone, right? For me, construction's a stepping stone. It's all a stepping stone to just a better quality of life, yada, yada, yada. Mm-hmm. I, after my first huge year in real estate construction, you know, I invested about $300,000 into a crypto fund that turned out to be a Ponzi scheme. And I lost $300,000 of hard-earned money on nothing on, on all on just a lie so real estate wise you know the veterans um life wise my biggest l has been losing 300 grand to the crypto swindler so man ouch yeah. ouch ouch is right <laughs> yeah. That one. Uh, yeah gosh yeah. yeah okay okay well from those lessons learned um and your experience i, I want to ask a couple more questions in terms of of adding value to some investors you've got you know an out-of-state investor which i think is i'm I'm sure you probably get a lot of of phone calls how can we as out-of-state investors find a contractor like what would you do if you were in our shoes i would do what you do man what you did which is find you know local people that are reputable and get you know, referrals from them and then interview them, work with them and, you know, slowly, slowly work your way up. It's, it's a lot harder for you guys. It really is because again, you, you're blind. You can get pictures that look great. And then all of a sudden someone goes lively, like, this is not what it seems. So you can't constantly be checking up on things unless you're flying back and forth. So to find good contractors, I would say, join the local networking groups on Facebook, try to at least fly out here at least once talk to the people that you can tell are doing the thing. Cause there's a lot of fake people out here. Mm-hmm. It's very tough, both on the investors and contracting side. You know, once, once the tide goes, you see who's flaming or swimming naked. A lot of that's been happening lately, but yeah, find the people that are like legitimate and ask them for references, ask them for referrals and, and people, at least here in Columbus are very willing to help. And a lot of people don't gatekeep in my opinion. A lot of people are willing to like, share their contacts, share their Rolodex. Um, but again, it all comes down to just calling the references, making sure that they've got jobs under their belt, seeing their type of quality, ask for those Zillow links for past flips that they've been a part of, and just kind of look at the work and see see what's going on. That yeah. would be the best way. It's tough for you guys. I'm not going to lie. It's not, it's not easy. It's not easy because a lot of people can say pretty things, take your money, and then you're screwed. Yeah. No, I mean, to add context to the conversation, to fill in that gap there, the reason why I got connected with you is with a hard money lender who is no longer a hard money lender, which is Nick Eiffel. And because I have done a couple loans with him already, and I was like, man, I, I want to do this project, but my current contractor won't do this one. Do you know anyone else? That's how we got connected. And so it's just finding whatever different way that you can add value to somebody else. And in this case, obviously, he's made some commission off me. Right. Probably at that point wanted to keep my business. Right. And so he's only going to send hopefully someone that would continue that because obviously if it went south, that's not a good reflection on him as well. So, right, right, right. And, you know, we got that deal done. It's, I, it's, I, you still own that deal. I do. Yeah. And that, and that also hit more than we, 
uh, hit higher than their praise when we wanted. So thank you. Perfect. There, there we go. <laughs> um, okay. Last questions for you. Uh, the final round is, um, this one's a little bit different. Okay. I want you to tell me, uh, what is the most memorable drink you've ever had? What was it and who was it with and why was it so memorable? Man, that is way left field. I love mm -hmm. it. Um, the first thing that popped, I'm just going to go with the first thing that popped in my mind yeah. versus reading too much into what you're referring to but it was just like a juice it's called the uh, hugo de lulo and it's a exotic fruit it's from south america um i didn't know what it was drink it it was delicious and it's burned into my memory and every time i go back to colombia that's the first thing i go to is drinking that juice it's 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 not even an alcoholic drink yeah. um but it was just memorable because it it was something I've never tasted before, and I don't know how I went 27 years without ever tasting something like that. So that that's that's the first answer that came to mind. I like it. It, it was a taste at home. Yes. Yeah. So, it was a taste at true. home. Yeah. That's okay. a that's an interesting question there, Josh. I, I've I've had some interesting <clears throat> answers between someone who is like, well, we were fasting in the desert, and someone literally gave us water 36 hours later. I could have died. I was like, oh yeah, that that would do it for me too. Yeah, <laughs> that's pretty memorable. <laughs> so, you never know. Um, okay, so my question for you is what are you working on right now? And is there anything that you need help with? Um, what I am working on right now is some very large scale developments. Um, I've got one in Newark, Ohio, and one in New Albany, Ohio. And um, they're both 108 units, ironically enough. They're both on Main Street in their respective towns. So that's pretty cool. Um, one of them, you know, Newark, Ohio is maybe 20 minutes from the new Intel plant here. That's super crazy and billions of dollars are going to. And then the other one is in New Albany, Ohio, which is five minutes from the Intel plant. And we acquired both these pieces of property before Intel announced. So that was pretty rad. Um, but those are like the biggest ones. I mean, they're, you know, one of them is going to be $30 million. The other one's $35 million when it's all said and done. Um, but those are some generational legacy things that I'm working currently on that, you know, from my humble roots as a demolition contractor to investing. And this is kind of where I'm at now where we're, we're doing this long haul ground up development work. So what I would love help with is finding um some lp money some you know, limited partnership money that can invest into this deal alongside us and obviously you know make this happen the issue i'm running into is current economic times are making these interest rates wild i'm talking yeah. you know eight eight and a half percent and the ltvs back in the day you could get 80 85 mm -hmm. they're now giving out 60. so mm -hmm. we went from needing 5.5 million dollars to needing almost 10 million dollars to make these things work. So I guess what I could use help with is um, getting these interest rates down. Can you help with that? <laughs> I don't know if I can help with the interest rates, but depending on how much capital you need to raise, we should um, talk later. Yeah, no, we'll chat. But yeah, the interest rates, you know, obviously that's nothing I can do about it. Nothing you can do about it or pretty much unless you're Jerome Powell, but uh, I don't know how connected you are, Josh. If you know him, let him know. Just bring them down for like a month while they give us the loan. <laughs> 
yeah. after this um, podcast that'll go viral and we'll have we'll have some pull right there it is there it is but no i mean a lot of developers are shelving projects right now because of what it is what it is and mm-hmm. it's a cycle and it will come down um but it just sucks because we we have permits in hand i mean we've we've done all the development part we're ready to start digging so um so you already purchased this too right it's yeah. you're like you're just you're ready for the next phase we're ready we're ready to capitalize it we're ready for a loan to close which means we need to bring um we need to bring lp capital too we've got equity you know to obviously give as well mm-hmm. uh, but yeah just bring lp capital to the table to close a loan um and get this thing rocking so that's i guess my biggest ask would be anytime okay. anyone asks what i need i need people willing to be lp partners Okay. Well, if you're listening to this, whether it be now, which it is November of 2023, or in the future, I'm sure this won't be the last deal either. So definitely connect with Esteban if you want to work on some deals in Columbus. Um, Actually, I do have, I want to squeeze another question. You've been posting a lot lately, like the best contracting stuff I've seen. And it's like, they're all good. Like just, just gems. What has been some of the results from posting? a lot (laughs) a lot let me let me let me give you a couple so and a little backstory with that too i didn't love content i wasn't huge on it but it's something my mentor kind of pushed me into he said you're not going to regret it you know you don't do it for the likes don't do it for any of that shit just do it to grow and one day you'll see the power of it i mean he makes close to seven figures a year because of his social media so, you know, reluctantly, I hired a crew, I started doing, and the first couple months, I'm not getting any likes, I'm not really getting that many follows. And I remember, it's not about that, it's whatever, just keep going, keep being consistent. And then out of nowhere, um, a football player at Ohio State hit me up from Instagram. Well, I don't know if you know, they just passed the NIL, which is name, image, likeness, and now they can make money. So this dude, you know, super successful player. I'm not going to say who it is, but I mean, some people that follow me might know who it is, but um, super high profile made, you know, seven figures already as NIL and he wanted to start investing in real estate. And because of my social media presence, he reached out to me, he reached out to other local guys, met up with all of us, and we ended up doing a couple deals together. So just that, and he's lent to me as well on deals. So just just that connection alone has essentially paid for my social media, like every all my investment, because obviously I pay for, you know, videographer, editor. It's it's not it's it's not cheap. It's not free, you know. Mm-hmm. So the ROI after the first couple of months, you're like, is this really where I want to be putting in funds? Um, but that was that's just one example. I've had tons of people reach out to me that want to lend me money, that want to send me deals. So it's just having that presence yeah. that helps people be able to trust you and want to work with you. And, you know, that's, that's really what social media has really done for me. And that's why I post and I've kind of changed my niche around. I've done construction. I still throw some construction stuff because that's my bread and butter. And that's what I know the most. I've tried some investing stuff. I tried some developer stuff and, you know, right now I'm going through a period in my life where since I'm not truly monetizing my social media, I'm just kind of staying relevant. I'm just now shooting whatever I want to without focusing on who am I trying to attract? What kind of people? And it's really working. I mean, I, I have a humble 7,000 followers, but it's very organic, zero mm-hmm. paid. 
you know what I mean? And that's how it really happens. You just start growing and growing. And then one day, once I get these developments done and I have even more, I guess, of a resume, maybe I'll start a developer course or maybe I'll start a course. I, I don't really love the courses just because it's so overdone. But I know that one day this following that I'm slowly building can be monetized. I just don't know how yet. So right now, social yeah. media for me is just staying relevant, doing it because I know that in the long term, something will come out of it. 100%. I agree with you. I mean, whenever I talk to someone about marketing, and that's just what I do, you know, I say, if you're gonna invest in this invest in it for a year, and if you can do one flip from it, if you can get one partnership from it, would that make it worth it? Mm -hmm. Cool, then just think of that as a cost of the partnership, that's your mastermind payment, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. But if you don't do that, then you're like, you won't be relevant. No one will know what you're doing. So right. It's, it's the virtual resume these days. It really yeah. is. You know, some people use it for good. Some people use it for evil. You know, that's the other thing I caution, like, just because it's pretty on Instagram doesn't mean that's what's going on. You know what I mean? They're just, they're just snapshots of our, of our life, but it doesn't encompass everything. So make sure you're not just, Oh, this dude's got a hundred thousand followers and you know, the blue check mark. Cause now you can pay for those. Right. I mean, I pay for mine, mm -hmm. um, but you know, just make sure you're doing your due diligence past the social media. But as a person doing social media, do social media. You you have to, you have to, because if, yeah. if you're looking someone up and they've got two posts, you know, you're probably going to go with someone that's got a little bit more pizzazz. It's just kind of like your business page. It's not even social media anymore. It's more like business marketing. Yep. hundred percent. I agree. Yeah. Last question for reals this time. Yeah, you're good, baby. I could do this all day. Is what is your predictions for real estate fair 2024? Ooh, that's a good one. Um, Why are you bullish? I'm I'm bullish. I'm bullish. I'm I think in the next 12 to 24 months, we're gonna see a lot of opportunity. You know, that doesn't mean the market's gonna go absolutely bonkers and you know appreciate hundred percent. I think people in our position that have now been in the game four or five years that understand the game that it's all a cycle. Our opportunities coming. There's a lot of money parked on the sidelines. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of, you know, the. Here's what I think: If interest rates come down, which I foresee them coming down a little bit because elections come in, and you know all these other factors, inflation's getting lower. It, the moment interest rates drop, we are going to see a boom in appreciation because of all this money parked on the sideline. I know there's money parked on the sideline because, for example, my mentor just put an offer in into a 28 unit for 350k over asking it sold for 550,000 over asking so wow. there are still people hedge funds are no longer in the market right now the moment those rates drop they're coming back so right mm -hmm. now it's the opportunity for you and I and for anybody wanting to get into the game to buy yeah. because the competition is very very low right now the moment these rates go down which i could see them go down a little bit you know, late next year, we're going to see a skyrocket in prices. It's going to be a huge yeah. boom. And so I'm very bullish on real estate 2024 and, and beyond. It's the only re it's the only thing that I see that can, tr that truly keeps up past inflation. I mean, people are saying like seventies, you could buy a house for 25 grand and groceries were $20. Well, groceries are now $300 and those houses are almost a million freaking bucks. You know what I mean? So like mm -hmm. real estate keeps up with the inflation and then plus. Um, so I'm super bullish, you know, buy as much as you can within reason. Don't over leverage yourself. 
But the, my prediction is that um, the first, we're still going to be in a little bit of pain over the next six to eight months. The moment elections come, I, I could see it kind of start trending down. But I think in 2025, we're going to start hitting those fives again. And life's going to be life's going to be gravy for guys like you and I who have um, assets today. And I, uh, I I feel the exact same way about you, too, um, for next year. So starting to uh, look a little bit harder. The deals will, will start trickling in, and pretty soon everyone will come back in, and then I'll get harder again. So, right. Um, what kind of what debt are you using, man? For, like, right now? Yeah, for everything. I mean, are you, for, for, I guess, no, not for everything. For, uh, for your holds, like, for your long-term debt right now, what, what are you trying to, like, what kind of product are you after? Yeah, I mean, I think for the most part, just because, you know, we've had California jobs and decent credit and decent DTI, and we've utilized a lot of conventional stuff. Okay. Um, Acquisition-wise, I mean, we've done private money, done hard money. Sure. Um, we've done one, actually, that the Hildreth product is on a DSCR refi. Gotcha. Um, I would suggest yeah. to look into interest only. Okay. It's a DSER product, but mm -hmm. it's interest only. So, you you know, you're not paying any zero. You're paying mm -hmm. zero um, principal, but it's only because of the market conditions, because of the rates that we're getting, right? I think yeah. you told me, Hildreth, you're like at 1900 man. Even if you could reduce that by 100 and I could get you a tenant in there for 1800 like even a break even, that's cool. Because yeah. you're, you know what I mean? And then the moment rates drop, boom. That way you can make deals that you're negative cash flowing at least break even or even make a little bit of cash flow. So deals that didn't work kind of work. That's yeah. what that interest only is doing for, our, you know, my mentor, people that I'm seeing and apparently hedge funds. That's all they do. They don't give a crap about paying down their mortgage. Like you and I knowing that that's one of the benefits of real estate. They're literally after cash flow. So if you're trying to just go and build that cash flow, interest only loans might be for you. Okay. I will, I will give that another look. Yeah. I mean, I know yeah. that obviously there's going to be a boom of appreciation in the next few years. Then and so you can get into a deal now and yeah. not be negative so much cash. Right. Right. So, so yeah, definitely something to look into, man. That's fun. Well, I appreciate the time today for jumping on the show. Absolutely. Where can people find you? Yeah, man. Um, you can find me at, at don.esteban.sarone. That is for Instagram. I believe that's for TikTok. Um, and then on Facebook, it's just Esteban Cerrone. Um, I don't really have a website, but I mean, social media is the websites these days, right? So, um, and then if you want to learn more about the development stuff, um, horaceandraw.com, um, or no, I think it's horaceandraw.xyz. I think we have both. So either horaceandraw.com or horaceandraw.xyz. A lot of our development stuff is on there. That's what I'm really excited about now. I think that's the next step in my career is putting together this, you know, full development, not just one house, but like hundreds of units from A to Z. Um, so, you know, follow us on there. But me personally, don.esteban.sarron. Sweet, man. Well, I will leave those all linked down below. But Esteban, I appreciate it, man. Thanks for jumping on. All right. Thanks, brother.